Welcome to Views on the News, a podcast series by Propeller Group, where we speak to three industry experts and gain their insights on some of the biggest news stories of the month. On this episode of Views in the News, we look to get a better understanding of how e-commerce has developed this year, assessing the changes at John Lewis, looking at Walmart's fight back against Amazon, and get a picture of what lies ahead as we approach key dates in the retail calendar, such as Black Friday. To share their expertise and unique insights, we're joined by Mona Nixad, digital and e-commerce marketing strategist at Organics Brands, Sandra Perio, strategy director for commerce, retail and experience at Chael UK, Janice Thomas, e-commerce marketing director at Look Fabulous Forever, and Helen Slavin, chief revenue officer at Pot Commerce. And bringing it all together, you have me, Rory from Propeller. A great signifier of the dramatic change in retail this year came from John Lewis. The retailer dropped its never-knowingly undersold price promise because of the new reality of customer shopping habits. And in recently published results, the retailer revealed that online sales had increased by 73% in the six months leading up to July. This has helped offset the impact of shop closures, with online sales now accounting for more than 60% of sales overall for the department store chain, up from 40% before the pandemic hit. So are the online shopping habits that developed through lockdown here to stay? Mona Nixad thinks so. I absolutely do think that um, consumers' behaviours over the last six months or so are here to stay. 89% of shoppers who um, shopped online during the pandemic will continue to do so once it's over. And I think they've seen the convenience in terms of speed, price, the range that's available versus in-store, um, and have made that switch really to continue shopping online. Helen Slavin agrees and believes that the increased levels of comfort with the use of smartphones and apps has spread across age demographics. At Pop, we saw uh, app downloads rocket um, through furlough, through, through the start of COVID and have maintained themselves throughout the whole of the furlough period in the UK, perhaps because a lot of people furloughed haven't had access to desktop. Uh, so absolutely certainty, uh, with certainty, we've seen Black Friday every day as we coin it, and the level of interactions via online and app specifically have gone through the roof, uh, mainly because it's been the only way of shopping, but actually what we have seen is it reached new audiences, new demographics, new age groups, the people have started to understand the ease of shopping via your phone. Um, there is a place for stores for sure, uh, but for the foreseeable future, particularly with the vulnerability now around COVID cases rising, we see that uh, is still set to continue. Janice Thomas believes John Lewis and consumers are at an intersection of a big shift in e-commerce. I think we're in a really interesting time. And I think particularly for Look Fabulous Forever, we're in the intersection of two big um, shifts, one of which is that over 65s are the fastest growing market in e-commerce at the moment, that they have found, particularly the group who historically been a bit resistant, that actually it's a great experience. And I think that's how we're going to tell if behavior is gonna shift permanently, is, is it a better experience? Is it better value? Is it a better product that certainly the likes of Tesco, Ocado, Waitrose have all said that online food shopping, that shift is permanent. And let's face it, if you've suddenly discovered that you don't have to go to Tesco every Saturday full of people, then why would you you do that? So I think that that's really interesting. And the other piece of behavioral change that we're seeing 
is within the shift towards buying beauty online, which has always been highly resistant um, sector. But even now that retail has been open for a few months, you still can't test colours on your skin in store because of hygiene issues. So I think that, again, that you've tried beauty online and found it's a better experience that we offer our customers that you can try any product for 30 days and if you don't like it you can send it back try going into boots and said i tried that lipstick and that shade doesn't suit me can i change it for another one you're just going to get no so again the online experience is better and if people find that they can they can have a better experience they're going to stick with it sandra echoes this and argues that the unique case of this shift will cement consumer habits further what I find very interesting in the change of habits is uh, before people were going online to find a better price. So uh, this is uh, what uh, John Lewis is uh, uh, tackling uh, currently. Um, but the reason why people move online this time is, is different. They, they went online for convenience and uh, confidence uh, to get goods that they couldn't go, they, they couldn't get um, anywhere else and safely during lockdown. So what people have discovered um, uh, recently shopping online is how easy it can be. Um, they probably step up their game in terms of uh, digital dexterity. They probably have been set up by families uh, or, or, or they finally take time to set up their account. So they are now ready to uh, shop online. So everything will get only easier in the future. Um, and, and what they discover is like, it can be safe, it can be uh, easy, it, uh, it can certainly be super convenient, and uh, it can also be less hazardous than uh, shopping in store. So I think that uh, uh, because of this fundamental reason why people went online, I think this, uh, the, the, this habit will last. It's impossible to talk about e-commerce without talking about Amazon. The trillion dollar tech giant has seen its vice-like grip on the e-commerce sector strengthened through lockdown with its prowess as a facilitator coming to the fore. But is it invincible? Walmart has unveiled its latest weapon in the fight back against Amazon with Walmart Plus, a subscription service that offers free expedited shipping on a large marketplace of products and has also got the added value services such as music, film, TV streaming and eBooks. So is Amazon vulnerable to competition in certain areas? Where and how can retailers compete? We'll start with Janice, who argues you will need much more than just to match Amazon's proposition. So I think the Walmart proposition is is interesting anyway. And I think particularly having worked in a lot of subscription businesses and particularly content subscription businesses, it's fine saying, oh, you've got access to content. But the devil is in what content is it? And right now you're talking about the most competitive time in the world for content that UK broadcasters are struggling to fill their schedules because they're being outbid by Netflix and Amazon. So you have to have either you have to invest a lot in making content yourself or you have to have deep pockets or you have to, to partner with people. So I think, you know, it's it's all very well saying, oh, it's this proposition, but the specifics are really, really important. But in terms of more broadly competing with Amazon, I think it's about a differentiated experience and particularly where Amazon does really well is if you know what you want to buy but if you don't then it's a very difficult experience and particularly when I worked at Birchbox we said look we don't carry 
every mascara. We carry a range of mascaras for each of them suit different people with different needs and we have a curated proposition and that's why you would buy mascara from us rather than buying it from from Amazon and I think particularly with multi-channel retailers shifting more online they have to think about what role does that in-store presence go into making the decision about what to buy and converting later on and I think what's particularly interesting about Walmart is traditionally it's a big trip to an out-of-town store and you buy a bunch of tough stuff you've probably got one or possibly two trolleys that's not the Amazon experience you go on and you buy one or two things as and when you need it and the US market is particularly interesting because they've never really cracked grocery shopping in the way that the UK has and there is still just not that habit of I'm going to buy many, many things instead of I'm going to buy one thing and I might pick something else up while, while I'm there. So it is about how do you how do you create a multi-product shopping experience? Helen Slavin builds on this point. I mean, look, Amazon's revolutionised the way we shop, um, the offer across categories, and they've done a fantastic job by setting out their store, not just from a technology perspective, but on price and on convenience, um, but actually not always speed. Um, 60% of their products are via their marketplace, their third-party products. So, you know, I wouldn't say vulnerabilities, but at POP, what we can do is work with retailers to offer them the opportunity to create a more loyal base. And actually, the opportunity a retailer has is by doing that, by creating your own brand advocacy, by creating your own tribe. Uh, we do that and we see that more through an app environment. You can create stories, you can create personalized offers. Uh, which helps build retention in your base and then actually make the shopping experience beautiful, including the last mile. Uh, so perhaps not a brown box that appears outside your door behind your dustbin, but something more, more fantastic. And then actually when we get back to um, better times when you are able to utilize any store environment you have, then you know, the option of being able to have a single view of your customer online to offline certainly is something that today Amazon can't offer. So, yes, of course, you know, Amazon will continue to get bigger and better and will manage to you know, get hold of those categories that it hasn't quite managed to, to capture at the moment. Food and certainly sort of clothes and fashion is not an area it's, it's been able to conquer yet. Um, but retailers still have a very strong part to play. Mona builds on this point around third party products, arguing that the relationship Amazon has with its third party sellers is where the vulnerabilities lie. Yeah, I think for the customer, Amazon is an amazing experience. Um, you know, the speed, the wide availability of products on there, um, it's the full package. But I think where Amazon run the risk of becoming slightly vulnerable is um, their actual their partnerships and the way that they work with businesses on there. Um, they're notoriously known as being extremely um, resource heavy to manage them as a, as a customer. Um, just, I know personally at Organics, we there's a lot of time within our finance department spent on invoice and reconciliation and i know every couple of months there are negotiation in terms of terms and i think it won't be long until brands do get fed up with uh, that model that they've got which is very much it's amazon's way and if there are other platforms out there that allow you to be able to have your products on and reach the masses they will just move over so i think 
it's not they're not necessarily under threat or vulnerable from the consumer side of things but actually brands and businesses out there saying I don't want to part with this anymore and actually I can go to a Walmart and reach the same amount of people um, uh, for the benefit same types of benefits um, and sell on there instead so I think they definitely um, should be maybe conscious of that in terms of how they work with their partners. Sandra Perio looks at something different altogether and argues that the real issue for Amazon is one of love. I think that ultimately the success of Amazon is down to people and um, and one, one thing is certain is Amazon is not a love brand. So in that respect, I think uh, Amazon is, uh, is definitely vulnerable. Um, as long as Amazon remains a process company, the brand is at risk. People are using uh, Amazon, um, uh, but they don't love the brand. They are, they are using it, they, they are conflicted when they use the service. They enjoy it, but they're ashamed of it in the meantime. And that is for me, putting the brand on the, it's putting the brand yeah, in, in a position of vulnerability. I think, uh, I think to a certain extent, um, love can achieve a lot. Uh, obviously the gap, you know, the price gap, the time gap, uh, the convenience gap must be thin, especially in the times we have uh, ahead of us. Everyone will watch carefully um, their wallet and uh, everyone will be busy um, trying to rebuild what they have to rebuild. So I think if the gap is big, and at the moment the gap is big between Amazon and other retailers, so uh, at the moment uh, uh, Amazon is quite comfortably in position of leadership. But if this gap is reducing at some point, uh, price and convenience will not save Amazon. While consumers may not love Amazon, one thing they do undeniably love is a bargain. Black Friday is fast approaching, but what will it look like this year after all the discounting we've seen? Can businesses afford to join in? Do they even want to? Black Friday is actually part of the US holiday tradition. So from that perspective, it's not going anywhere. Um, pandemic or no pandemic. So uh, retailers are still gearing up for Black Friday in exactly the same way. Um, clearly the UK adopted Black Friday. It wasn't part of our holiday season, but has taken to it. And we've seen that the figures have increased year on year. Um, and as we said, I said earlier, you know, the Black Friday downloads are usually the largest in the year in terms of an app perspective. Uh, and then we see trading carry on through, through the day and across the weekend. Um, POC have a holiday guide, um, so quick shout out to that, that can be downloaded now via our website. Um, yes, of course, you know, retailers are struggling. Um, no one in the foreseeable future knows whether there's going to be local lockdown, what's actually going to happen to Christmas. Uh, so the retailers that we're working with through our POC platform uh, just want to keep trade consistent. And I'm sure that they'll be looking at all the innovative ways they can to discount and make the most of this you know, shopping weekend. Black Friday and the satellite sales that surround it have been steadily growing in length for years. Monner argues COVID will have elongated the sales window even further. We've seen it more and more in the recent years that Black Friday is no longer a 24-hour event. It starts maybe two days before or three days before. Some retailers run Black Friday offers for a whole week. And I think that will probably be what we see this year, that retailers will be starting the promotion earlier and earlier. I hear there's some retailers that will start the promotions at the beginning of October and it will run for a, a whole month, two months. So I think it will be different. I don't think there'll be this mass one day panic buying and we'll definitely not see the scenes in store like we have previously. Um, but I think it will just become a 
a, a longer and bigger part of a of a company's promotional activity. It's not this short period anymore, but it you know potentially might run for a whole month. Janice argues that Black Friday isn't even a choice by retailers. It's a demand from consumers. And the economic uncertainty that we're shrouded in means that Black Friday could be bigger than ever before. Yeah, I think Black Friday is really interesting that ultimately as retailers, we don't have that decision. The consumer has that decision unless we all universally say nobody's doing black friday then you know for example i'm in the market for a new soundbar i said to my husband oh let's let's have a do some research and then we'll buy it on black friday and that's consumer attitude and habit now and increasingly in many businesses that i've worked in and i know it's quite common that kind of late october beginning of november sales just start to dry up because people are waiting for black friday so a lot of businesses can't afford to say I'm not doing Black Friday unless it's for a strong kind of social reason that then kind of gives you support for, for the brand. So I think Black Friday is going to I think Black Friday is going to be huge this year for two reasons. One is particularly in the UK, it had started to tail off, particularly around 2018. And then 2019, it really jumped up again, particularly around the economic uncertainty of Brexit. And we are in that situation multiplied this year. So I think the people are going to be on the lookout for a bargain. They're going to be deferring big purchases. It's going to be all of those things. And the other piece is there's some really interesting data about um, people's spending habits that there are big group of people who are not paying for commuting costs that particularly people who go on a lot of holidays or um, eat out a lot are not spending nearly as much of their disposable income who as they would normally and these people have got money in their pocket and come Black Friday they're going to be spending so I actually think Black Friday this year is going to be bigger than ever. Sandra agrees on the scale of the sale, but believes we could see a different face to Black Friday than we've seen before. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Black Friday is more a thing this year than last, um, because even if discounts are available on the market right now, the shopper might not have the mindset to purchase. Um, and shopper mindset is more important than good deals availability. So even if great deals are currently on the market, people may not have the headspace for it all the time or the need. Uh, most people use Black Friday for big ticket item like um, TV or sound system. And, and also people use Black Friday to, uh, for their Christmas shopping. So, and at the moment, people are not in the Christmas uh, mindset. Uh, with the financial pressure that most uh, people are under at the moment, buying full prices out of the cards. Um, so this type of event will be uh, well received. Um, but some retailer will not be able to afford this price rejection. I won't be surprised to see um, quite smart initiative from brands. Uh, like, um, so instead of a, a hardly uh, discount product, uh, I won't be surprised if the product comes with a generosity offer. Like uh, if you buy that product, you will, you will, we will, uh, we will uh, give back to the community in a way or in another. If I was um, working on Black Friday just now, I will try to mitigate uh, the, the discount. So Black Friday can, can have a different face this year. And those were our expert guests' views on the news. Thanks to Mona, Janice, Sandra and Helen for joining us. 
and to you listener for tuning in. To hear more from Mona and Yanis, tune in to Propeller's panel at e-commerce expo on October 1st, where we'll be diving deep into the evolution of D2C e-commerce. Keep an eye out for more upcoming content from us at Propeller Group, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. For listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and give us a review. Or to get in touch and learn more about Propeller Group, check out our website at www.propellergroup.com.